Hello. Ooh. Whoa. Hi. 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 I know most of you, but for those of you I don't know, my name is Ann Kern, and I'm one of the third-year internal medicine residents. Um, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Earlier this year, Lisa Madden sent out a link to some videos, and I think Dr. Aronowitz had sent her those uh, that link from an ACP storytelling event held in Philadelphia last fall. And I was immediately interested in watching the videos, and um, I watched every one of them. And I was incredibly moved by the intimate moments these doctors were sharing. And I related to so many of the stories, and I felt reconnected to medicine in a very deep way that I often lose sight of in the day-to-day work that we do. I also felt empowered as I watched the videos because I thought that we could and should have one of these events here at UC Davis, um, that we have so much to offer to each other through storytelling. And it's a way to show how much we value the human aspects of medicine. It's a way to honor our patients, our colleagues, and our family members who've influenced us. And it's also a way to process our own experiences when we don't often have time to consider uh, them as they happen. So everyone, thank you so much for coming out tonight, participating either by telling a story or by listening to those stories told this evening. So our first story is going. Our, our first storyteller will be Dr. Fitzgerald, um, who will be telling a story entitled "Teachers." All of us who are teachers of medicine, and that's all of us, know that scientific data are fungible, changeable, technology evanescent, and therapies fleeting. So what those of my age remember and value and still use of what we were taught in medical school um, and uh, residency and fellowships is not really what our teachers said, because that's pretty well out of date now, or at least me, but what they were, thoughtful, caring, curious, skilled, empathetic. Now for me, awareness of the impact on, of a model teacher on students uh, came very early in my life, and it was way before college or medical school. And it was a person named Mr. Joe Blake, who was my junior high school civics and homeroom teacher. He was a gentle but very impressive man. He'd uh, fought the Germans in Europe in World War II, and he'd come after the war was over to beautiful Santa Barbara, where I had the luck uh, to be living. My seventh grade class at Santa Barbara Junior High School was almost entirely white, with only one darker-skinned member of our group, Jose, who was of Mexican lineage. Now, during a lecture on the early... um, third of the 20th century, Mr. Blake suddenly stopped talking in mid-sentence and pointed at Jose and said, don't do that again. Well, we all turned to see what Jose had done, yeah? Uh, But he was just sitting at his desk looking pretty sullen. And Mr. Blake then resumed his lecture, and after a few minutes, he again spoke to Jose. He said, be careful. Next time you do that, you're out of here. Again, we looked and saw nothing. And then very shortly came the third interruption, and Blake just exploded. He said, Jose, I warned you, go to the principal's office now. And we watched him, shoulders slumped, go out the door and close it behind him. Then we all turned back to Mr. Blake, expecting him to continue his lecture. But he didn't. He asked the classic question, was what did Jose do wrong? 
Well, we all again looked around at each other, but this time nobody spoke, nobody knew. Then one student said he must have done something pretty bad if you sent him to the principal's office. So then Mr. Blake left his desk and he went to the door and opened it to let a grinning Jose back in. These two were in on it together because both knew that Jose had been pretty much ignored by our class and had no offers of friendship from us and was thought by us to be kind of slow. And Mr. Blake and Jose then walked to the wide windows of our classroom, uh, attached to which was an outside balcony. And he pulled the curtains and opened the sliding glass door windows to reveal a big, shiny motorcycle sitting on the balcony. And the boys in the class, of course, immediately got up and went to examine the bike, chatted with Jose, who had, at the age of 12, mind you, put it together with spare parts. And almost all asked if they could get on it now and later take a ride. When the hoopla over the bike had settled, Mr. Blake called everybody back to their seats and began to tell us the history of the Nazis the authoritarian Aryan master race and the Holocaust. And so my classmates and I learned how very was wrong it was to judge the other just because they weren't us. And how one could not assume that any authority, just by virtue of being called an authority, was always right. Years later, as a medical student, I was again lucky to meet another great teacher. Preclinical medical students in the mid-1960s at the University of California, San Francisco, were assigned to one full night of observation in the emergency room at Moffitt Hospital. My classmate and I went to the ER, as we had been told we should, but were disappointed. There was only one patient there throughout our entire 12-hour shift. As all seriously ill or injured patients were automatically taken by ambulance to Mission Emergency Hospital at San Francisco General. Now, our patient was a young woman who had come in to be seen in the early evening, and with the intern, the only doctor in the ER at the time, we went over her history and physical exam rather quickly, as she was in no overt distress and had no current symptoms of any kind. She had discovered a small painless lump in her left breast during a shower and wanted to know what it was. We all felt the small, non-tender lump. The intern wrote a note suggesting a biopsy be done, and then he went to take a nap. We waited for the attending, my classmate and I. And when the attending arrived at dawn, he also took us to her bedside. But his was a very different approach. He seemed able to immediately contact and connect with her to listen to her story with deep attentiveness and concern, and she gave a much more detailed history than she had to the intern, including that she, fearful of the possibilities, had put off seeing a doctor for several months and after she had felt the lump. And she mentioned for the first time that a good friend of hers had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And this had really scared her and led her to her first palpation of her own breasts. And she began to cry. The attending, with great gentleness, did a much more thorough examination than had the intern. He got her permission to let us, the students, also examine and learn from her. He showed us, among other things, how to observe, compare, and palpate the breasts 
including the overlying skin and nipples, how to probe for axillary lymph nodes, how to auscultate heart and lungs, and how to percuss and palpate the liver and throughout, how to interact with this patient. And while still at the bedside, he told her and us the non-cancer differential diagnosis of breast lumps, including benign cysts, fibroadenomas, and traumatic fatty necrosis. When she heard this, the patient suddenly recalled that she'd been accidentally hit by a baseball in the left breast months before, but had no pain or bruising, so quickly forgot about it. He gave her true attention. He listened. He was caring. He treated her with respect. He thanked her for allowing me and my classmate to learn from her. He gave her hope. And indeed, the biopsy done within the next several days was benign. Is that a signal that I should shut up? No. I thought then and now that I could do no better thing than to follow this fellow around to emulate him and so worked under his tutelage for the next half century. This was Dr. Hibbert Williams. When he became dean of the University of California Davis School of Medicine, he recruited me here, and he was the ER attending that I've just told you about. Dr. Williams, now in his mid-80s, is in home hospice care. He's dying. Mr. Blake died years ago. But they are, in a way, immortal. They taught me and many others and I have now myself taught many others who I hope will teach their students what these men knew, that those who suffer from despair or disease are the greatest teachers we can have. Thank you.